0: Welcome again to the Clubs Without Borders Club Talk podcast with Deb and Raf. Following on from the bushfire disasters last summer, the community has been in a heightened state of anxiety and struggling to manage the uncertainty surrounding the possible spread and impact of COVID-19. Widespread restrictions of movement, social distancing measures and physical isolation or lockdowns were implemented from March 2020. The sudden loss of employment and social interaction and the added stresses of moving to remote work or schooling began to take a toll on people's mental fitness. More recently with the delta strain of the COVID virus, the impacts of sudden localised lockdowns to prevent further outbreaks have impacted the mental health of many Australians. Stress, confusion and anger are commonplace as a result of the pandemic. For most, this anxiety will decline over time as the virus is contained and a clear path is set for our way of life to return. However, for others, the impact could be more serious and long term. So, in this episode, Deb and Raf chat to Gus Warland, who is the founder of Gotcha for Life. Gus is a friend of Deb's and one of the people in the community that really inspires her. Gotcha for Life are dedicated to taking action in the wellbeing and suicide prevention space and are making massive inroads through education and workshops across the community. The goal of Gotcha for Life is zero suicides. Also, it just so happens Deb and Gus also have a challenge to put to RAF and all the clubs across Australia. So tune in and get behind their nationwide challenge. So please welcome Deb and RAF. Hello, Mr Rafferty. How are you? And
1: as always, I very much appreciate you stepped off the Bonville course to talk to me today.
2: Yeah, well, since the last chat, Deb, I see that you're still in lockdown and we're out and about. So it gave me an opportunity to actually come inside and actually help the podcast.
1: So how was the reopened, Ref?
2: Look, the reopening's been slow. It's good in some areas and poor in others, but that's what we anticipated. We're not expecting that. We don't have the numbers of people flowing through while well, you've got Sydney lockdown. Yeah. So you don't have any of the people who are traveling doing those sorts of things that happen. So we've got a fairly strong day trade, which is locals, and then it's the nighttime trade. But you know, the first day we opened obviously it was a Saturday and there was a lot of people around on the Saturday just wanting to get out. But then it slowed down again after that.
1: The restaurants were busy the first weekend though?
2: No, nothing was really solid in that regard. Oh, really? and, but we opened with a limited floor space and club size. So we only open on the ground floor. We only opened with one of our restaurants being the Brasserie and our coffee shop, The Plank, anticipating a bit like when we opened before that it wouldn't really take off straight away. So we didn't do the numbers that we've been doing before we shut down.
1: And you had a case yesterday.
2: I had a case, but what they call it, it's a pass-through case. So it's not a case that's actually contacted in your LGA. So we're still open because of that. So there was two pass-through cases in Kempsey and one in Coffs Harbour. And that can be people who've come from Sydney or they've travelled up and they've passed through. And those cases, they monitor them and then they see whether they need to shut you down or not. At the moment, we've got the vaccination hub open now here in Coffs and we're talking to the health department about it. And that's what they told us. They said there's no real problems at the moment because it was a pass-through case.
1: Okay. That's not how that comes across on telly, so that's good. Look, what I think is really challenging is I think your current requirements don't require your workers or anyone who enters the club to be double vaxxed. Yet come October, my understanding is to enter the club and staff, they'll have to be double vaxxed. Is that your understanding?
2: It's a major problem, Deb, and I've been talking to the MPs about it because staff here have been finding it very difficult to be able to get vaccinated because you know, and I can understand why, you know, is that you go to Sydney, that's where the hotspots were and the problems. So get all the vaccinations into Sydney, as many as you can. So there wasn't the supply of vaccinations in the regional areas for your staff to get vaccinated and we're getting more supplies now so there's a greater opportunity for the younger people to get vaccinated and you've got to remember certain groups you know they couldn't I was fine I was old enough to be able to get AstraZeneca so it wasn't a problem for myself yeah did but a lot of the younger people who needed Pfizer it's a lot more difficult and then people who were under 40 they were even the slower ones to be able to get it before then too to get booked in so it's a real issue because at the moment you know people can come in just as we were prior to when we were locked down where you didn't need Anybody vaccinated and anybody who can visit doesn't have to be vaccinated, provided you don't come from a hotspot, LGA. But from October 18th, but I think it's now going to be brought forward because I think the numbers will be there. So the first Monday after we reach the 70% of double vaccination will be October eleven. So if that's the case, we could have some people who get vaccinated by the end of this week that mightn't have their three weeks to get their second vaccination and be able to work by then. So I've been talking to them about whether the opportunity is we only let people in who have dual vaccination, but surely for the staff, provided they've had one vaccination and you know they're booked in for the second one, they can still at least come to work.
1: And how do you feel about if any of your staff don't want to be vaccinated? What's your view on that?
2: We've talked to our staff already about this situation, and it is a difficult one for people who don't want to be vaccinated, but they are understanding, you know, that, look, it's soon to be legislated and it's going to be law. You know, you need to be vaccinated in that area. So that's always a difficulty for those people. We don't have too many staff in that position at the moment. And some of them have said, look, well, I need to get another job. And another person actually said, well, if that's the case, when the law changes, which obviously it will in the future would I be able to reapply for my job? And we've said, yes, you would. So, you know, it's one of those situations because otherwise that's a business. We can't keep putting people on and break the law ourselves. So we can't run the risk of the business doing the wrong thing if that's the case.
1: Sure. And your members are older, right? So the members are more vulnerable. So I've actually got no problem with it. If my mum's in your club, I want her to have the best protection.
2: Correct. And that's what we've tried to do. You know, we've always been of the view in our premises is that we make our venues the safest venues. And if you're going to make it the safest venues, then you want people to be dual vaccinated when they come into the venue. And it doesn't mean a person who contacts COVID that you're not going to get it even if you're dual vaccinated. It means you have a greater chance of survival if you have been dual vaccinated. You know, and we can see by the numbers of people going in. And and the other issue is is, you know, and I think this is a case that gets missed all the time. Really, it's the health system and the pressure of the health system with the ICU beds. You know, and then you have a lot of our elderly people who are patrons who, you know, if they have a heart attack or they have some other issues with their health, they can't be seen because there's not enough beds for them if they're all covered with amount know, of people in COVID.
1: There's not enough beds, that's wrong. Correct. And then if they do get in and there's COVID, that increases their risk of not making it.
2: Absolutely does. Tough one. And that's the real problem we've got. So the more people that we can have, people who are dual vaccinated and everybody moving forward, it gives us a greater chance in that area. And look, they'll never get to 100% vaccinations, Debbie, for the same reasons we talked about, the people who don't. But. The majority of people need to, you know, you've got to remember, you know, you get measles when you're a kid and you get all these vaccinations when people are young for their immunisation. And, you know, once upon a time, you used to get smallpox and you used to get typhoid to go overseas to certain countries. Well, if you didn't get those injections, you couldn't go to those countries.
1: You couldn't go. That's right. I remember that.
2: You know, so it's really the same thing. If you're not vaccinated, you won't be able to attend certain properties or go to certain things. And I think people will realise that and, and they'll live in that area or they'll live their life the same way of not going to the countries if you had to have a typhoid injection or, or a smallpox injection.
1: Absolutely. Raf, we spoke last time, our first podcast, about the pressures that we're all feeling under COVID and certainly I'm no exception. As I said to you, losing dad, trying to care for mum with dementia. I've got John with in lockdown and diagnosed with liver cancer. I can appreciate my tolerance levels are probably low. And in fact, it might also have something to do with my age. But in the last few years, I don't think I've seen people treating each other as poorly as they are today, certainly in the workplace and personally, that's what I've seen anyway. And industry-wise, in my 20 years career in the industry, I've never had so many calls about directors and staff either bullying each other or directors bullying staff or directors bullying other directors. I just think it's time that we did better.
2: Yeah, Deb, look, it certainly is. I haven't seen it so much up here in Coffs Harbour. We've been not in lockdown like people in Sydney and also in Melbourne and other places. So it probably hasn't been the same stress on people as it has been in other areas. But, you know, I was talking about today, you've had that stabbing of that youth in Newcastle and also his mate who was also in serious condition. And you've also got a stabbing with a guy who was a 16-year-old at Sortel yesterday who's in a serious condition in hospital here in Coffs. That's not good. And outside, and you suddenly say, when did people start to say, oh, I'll suddenly take my keys to the house when I go out, I take my phone and my glasses and, oh, I better take a knife with me as well. So you can understand the sort of pressures that everybody's under. And I think it comes a lot from social media, people having plenty of time on their hands and really not getting the exercise they probably need to, to get rid of some of that frustration and the areas they're in. And it's probably wonderful that we're going to be talking to Gus today because he talks about mental fitness for people and all those sorts of areas, which is fantastic for helping people in those areas.
1: Absolutely. So let me introduce you to my friend, Gus Warland. Gus gave up his full-time career as a radio personality to set up Gotcha for Life, which is focusing on taking action in the wellbeing and suicide prevention space. So Gus, welcome to our Club Talk podcast. How are you, my friend?
3: G'day, Deb. Lovely to talk to you, Ralph. Lovely to e-meet you, mate. Hopefully, sooner rather than later, we can all be in the same room, have a cuddle and a drink or a coffee and have a proper conversation, eyeball to eyeball. But this is the best that we can do. And I appreciate you having me on your uh, potty.
2: Uh, It's fantastic, Gus. You know, we're really pleased to have you on board to talk about the mental fitness and problems for people that we can help going forward.
1: How are you coping with lockdown, Gus?
2: Look, I feel like
3: for a few months there, Deb, there was no hope, was there? We had no real strategy or certainly no communicated strategy around when we're going to get out of this. But just in the last few weeks, we've got the vaccination rate rather than the people that have got COVID rate. We've got a date sort of in the sand now thinking, you know what, we're going to be out of this in less than a month. So that's given
2: a lot of people a lot of hope.
1: Agree wholeheartedly.
2: Yes, Gus, That's really the big plus, I think, for people moving forward is having some sort of date that they get some hope that they can get out because it was the real pressure and the anxiety for people is never knowing when. While you're in limbo, it's a lot worse than actually knowing a date that, oh, well, we've got something to look forward to and nearly to a countdown of the days. Exactly. Having something to look forward
3: to is the absolute key and now we've got that date. That's absolutely fantastic. So people can start planning. People can start having some hope. People can start going. You know what? That 18th birthday party we never had. We can have it now. Christmas looks like it's all going to happen. I can go and see my mum, and my grandkids can go and see my mum. All this stuff happens, and the human spirit then just rises, and that's where we're at at the moment. But for a few months, there was a little bit how you're going, but just getting the energy off a laptop is not as easy as going into a room and speaking to people in terms of my presentations. An example, last week, 31 presentations around Are You U OK? Day, and all of them in my office, literally just with a shirt on and a pair of undies and very relaxed in that way. But I didn't get any energy back from anyone. You know, It makes it really, really hard to keep that energy in a very emotive space. So for me, I just can't wait to get back to normal. I won't be able to do as much because I'll be travelling, but it's good for my soul as well to be out there eyeballing people rather than on a laptop.
1: So, Gus, if times are tough, do I need to buy you a pair of shorts, honey?
3: (laughs) Sometimes I wear my canoeies, but I just feel very comfortable in these briefs that I wear, which are sort of like shorts anyway. Deb, I'll show you next
2: time I see
1: you. I look forward to that. Let's move on.
2: And also, Gus, I've actually spoken to a lot of staff when we're holding Zoom meetings and also business people I'm talking to with Zoom meetings. Mm. And I've talked to them about making sure people get presented when they're working from home. So they actually feel like they're much more professional in what they're doing and they feel good about themselves. So I think that's one of the things that's really been hard in lockdown. A lot of people have not really cared too much about themselves like they would when they go out. And that Mm. actually creates more problems for people along those lines absolutely right one of the first things we did sort of a couple of months into lockdown was
3: to say to people stick to your routines you know stick to your processes if you're a man and you need to shave get up have a shower shave you know use the transport between home and work for a bit of exercise so you go for a walk or do something like that so you're not giving the extra hour that you'd perhaps be in the traffic back to work because most people were just going straight from their bedroom to their lounge room and logging on and not doing a lot for themselves yeah so I totally agree with you there Ralph it's been harder as time's gone along because in Sydney we were in lockdown then we we're out of lockdown then we we're back in lockdown again it was really Hard for us mentally sometimes to get up every single day. But I think, as a general rule, technology stood up to the test of time through this COVID space. And that's why I keep telling people stay connected. We're only physically isolated, we're not emotionally isolated. So use technology to stay in contact with people.
1: Absolutely. And you've got to remember, Raf, we actually were in lockdown at Christmas time here on the Northern Beaches.
2: You were, Deb, you know, and that's what I said about us in Coffs Harbour. We've been really fortunate. We got the first 10 weeks last year when the club was shut down on the 22nd of March. And then we reopened on the 1st of June and we've only had three weeks since. So living in Coffs Harbour, we've been pretty lucky in that Northern Beaches area because our LGA hasn't had any cases. So it's a lot harder for us to really understand and appreciate how other people have been when you think of melbourne for instance they've been in lockdown for 250 days you know so mm-hmm. you start thinking of those and even to the point where i found the three weeks this time for our people was a lot worse than the first 10 weeks and melbourne have been on like rolling shutdowns you know where you come out of it and that's when people start to feel good they're starting to and then all of a sudden they've got to go back into it again which is a further damage to them every time and i think That's where the biggest problems are going to come forward in the future. And Gus's work on mental fitness is going to be one of the really prime areas we've got to look at as people come out of COVID completely.
1: Absolutely.
2: So that leads me into a question, Gus. What is it that motivated you to give up your radio career to establish Gotcha for Life, this wonderful cause that you're moving into? Oh, thanks, Rath. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was all
3: about a friend of mine that seemed to have everything and took his own life on the day that his third and final child finished their education. You know, that really rocked me to the core. I was over in England at the time working and I flew back over for the funeral and and I just sat around with literally 1,200 others going, did you have any idea? Did you have any idea? Did you have any idea about our friend and what he was going through? And the fact that he was obviously worrying alone and made that very permanent decision based on a very temporary situation. And the simple fact was no one knew. He held it all in until the day that he took that decision, which absolutely nailed most of us. You know, the scientists will say that the ripple effect around the suicide is 177 people. I don't know how they've come up with that number, but they have. And I just think that number is really short. I think there's many more people that get affected than that. And it really rocked my crew for a long time. And eventually I started talking about it on my brekkie show. And Someone said, you know what, it's nice to hear stories like that. We shouldn't put all those emotions away. We should open ourselves up a little bit more. And it got me thinking. And then I did the Man Up TV program on the ABC. You can still watch that if you like. It's on ABC iView still. And we've just ticked over about 98 million views of that. We gave it away to the world through the pandemic. And I think people sort of slowed down enough to probably go, you know what, I'm going to watch something that might be able to help me with this pandemic. So a lot of people have watched it in the last six months or so, over 50 million people, which is quite incredible. And basically off the back of that, Raph, I went, you know what? I've got to do more. This is not just a job. This is something I really want to do forever. So that's when I gave up the Brekkie Show and I'm now full-time at Gotcha For Life. And we support people that work in that suicide prevention space. There's too many people working at the crisis point, not enough people working at prevention. And The numbers and the stats, if you don't know them, and for your listeners' sake, it's seven men a day every day that take their own life. It's nearly three ladies a day every day, and that's 10 Australians that woke up this morning that won't wake up tomorrow morning. And if you add on top of that nearly 65,000 people attempting suicide a year, that's one every 28 seconds. So it shows that we've got awareness around the problem, but we don't have enough action to actually give people the mental fitness or the emotional muscle. To have those conversations, so they don't worry alone. So I don't think there's a more important topic or a more important thing to be focusing the rest of my life on. So Gotcha Life was started, and we've tipped over just over six million dollars to people that work in prevention, and I'm just going to keep on doing it until I'm no longer here, and hopefully have left a legacy of people that can have really good, open, honest conversations, and feeling vulnerable can be something that you can just work your way through and see that it's a strength rather than a weakness.
2: Uh, That's fantastic, Gus.
1: Absolutely. As I said, very few people inspire me, Raf, but this is one of the gentlemen that does. Gus, you and I spoke about this with Chris that day down on the beach, that the suicide rates among the country are increasing, and the northern beaches where you and I live is no exception. Mm. And I know Chris has lost a few friends, and Chris is only 27 already, to suicide. What do you Mm. think it drives them to take such drastic action?
3: I think it's still looked upon as a weakness to show your emotion or to have those conversations of gravity outside of banter. We still haven't quite got the message across that it's actually the bravest and the hardest thing to do is to actually talk about your emotions. So that's something that blokes like Raf and I need to unlearn because all our lives we've been told to man up and shut up and just get on with it. It really is man up and speak up now. And having that emotional muscle, as I said, to have that conversation is really hard. And it means it's difficult. It means that a man's going to be out of his comfort zone. It means that he's out of control for a moment. But if you build a safe enough environment around you with people or just a mate, which is why I call the foundation Gotcha for Life, you need to have someone who has gotcha for life, someone who's going to look at you and love you no matter what. They're not going to judge you and they're just going to be there as part of your village to help you. They don't need to come up with all the answers. They don't need to fix you. But we need to start having some of our mates turn into proper friends. And what I mean by that is and we just get to a stage where it's deeper and it's stronger and it's better. And if we start doing that, and I think the younger generation are better than perhaps my generation. I'm 53 in December, so my generation would very much just crack on and get on with it. When I talk to blokes in clubs and pubs in particular, they talk about they don't want to be that bloke who's the whinging bastard. They don't want to be that bloke who brings the group down They don't want to be the bloke that comes across as they haven't got all their you-know-what together. Well, the simple fact is we're all a bit like that. We're all human and we've just got to throw away perfect and just have a crack at life and whatever. Some days are going to be good, some days are going to be average and we just have to realise that we bounce through this world a bit like that and it's okay. Social media has not helped us. Looking across the road at the Joneses all the time, you know, feeling like we're missing out and they're going really well. The simple fact is that everyone, is affected in some way with some sort of mental fitness problem so we should just appreciate that and just get on the best that we can possibly can just be as kind as we possibly can but all of that said i know it's difficult to do because we are jumping out of our comfort zone to do it but like I say, mental fitness and physical fitness are pretty much the same. You can't just go into the personal trainer at the gym once and expect to run a New York marathon. Yeah. You know, you have to get in the grind. You have to get some muscle sore. You need to get into uncomfortable places. And eventually, after a month, three months and six months, it all becomes a little bit easier. So we need to get into that grind and we need to teach men and women, boys and girls, how to have that conversation. Give them the words to be able to start that conversation, to let someone know how they're truly feeling. It doesn't mean you burst into tears every five minutes or you have a deep and meaningful conversation every time you talk. But what it does mean is you do have a conversation with someone that's safe enough for you to be able to tell someone how you truly feel. And that's really what it comes down to. Not worrying alone. Don't stop having those thoughts in your own head and trying to bumble your way through life just with your own company or your own advice. That will not work for you. So find someone you can share that with. And if you haven't got a mate, then find a professional because there's plenty of good ones out there that can help you so you don't worry alone. I truly believe that suicide's a death of loneliness and we need to start letting
2: people know how we truly feel so we can get through this together as a village. Just on that, Gus, Do you feel there's a lot more people who are feeling far more lonely than they ever did before in a society, you know, where we have uh, so much social media and every other access of communication they have, but they don't seem to be able to mix? And I think with computers, you know, people tend to be working on their own on computers rather than mixing with other people. And have you seen that's been part of the cause as well? 100%. No
3: doubt about it, Ralph, that we are now are actually so connected without having to actually be connected to another person, you know, with our devices and the internet. And we're, the world is such a small place we're a click away from all the information that we need. And kids are really good on it as well. You know, kids can have four or five apps open at once. They can flick from one screen to the other. They can get all the details they need. So they've actually lost the skill of actually having a proper conversation and trying to have a conversation where you're looking eyeball to eyeball with a youngster can be really difficult. And they find it really strange too. Because most of the time they're looking downwards at a screen. So we have to realise that these things are here forever and we can't do anything about them. Believe me, I'd love to ban them all, but we can't. So what do we do? We go, okay, you can only have a certain amount of screen time and the rest of the time we need you up and about, looking upwards, looking at the sky, looking at people that you're talking to and having some conversations, not all the time, but having some
2: conversations that are real and that are human and less at the screens. Yeah, that's right. So. Do you think that stress, anxiety and depression is getting worse or are we starting to make ground in these areas? It probably is a little bit worse, but that's probably because
3: now we talk about a little bit more, which is what I quite like. The fact that we're normalising the fact that people are going through a bit of a struggle and they are finding help and they're coming out the other side that's a really good example for people to go you know what Tom down the road went and saw a counsellor and he told me about that I might go and do the same it's not so taboo now to ask for help in that sort of way but it still worries me that so many people especially young people are going through stress and anxiety and stuff and I mean I've got three teenagers here Ralph at home and I know they're all going through their own journeys at the moment. I've got a son at university that spent 11 days at university and he's in year three of his course. I've got a daughter who's had a terrible year 11. She's now in year 12 and she's just been told the exams are moving again till December and her schoolies are off. The years 11 and 12 of the last two years have had the most difficult of times. They've hardly ever been at school. The leaders have not been able to lead. They've had to have homeschooling, which is difficult in its own right. So yeah, it's been a difficult time for people, but I think we are getting there slowly but surely. Like I said at the top, awareness has never been better. We just need more action. We need more tips and tricks to be able to get us through the type of stuff that life is throwing at us at the moment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think social media is a massive part of all this, Gus. I know Mm. some of the stuff that I've read and seen on Facebook and some of the abuse towards people and strangers would make your hair curl. Cool. It's almost like, well, if we respond rudely or we abuse people on social media, it's somehow acceptable when it's certainly not. I'll give you an example. I was saying to Raf earlier, I don't know if you saw a post I popped up last week. It was supposed to be a feel good story, Gus, about a gentleman by the name of Muhammad that I've been seeing at the street. So, what happened, Raf, is every morning I'd go for coffee before I went to work. And I'd see this elderly gentleman walk past me, he was on the way to the bus. Pulling this old shopping trolley, right? And then of an afternoon, he'd walk three kilometers up the hill to the shopping center, then jump on the bus. And then every afternoon, sure enough, he got off the bus and walked home another three kilometers home. So curiosity kills the cat, right? So I wanted to know what was in the shopping trolley and where this gentleman went. So one day it was raining. So I picked him up. So I picked up Muhammad. And what he does is he goes and buys three loaves of bread every day, sits at home all night and cuts the bread into little squares. Catches the bus to Manly, feeds the wildlife and then comes home, right? <laughs> so I've gotten to a routine where I go pick up Mohammed and I was trying to tee it so that I could drop into the bus every day and all that sort of stuff. So I put up a photo. It was meant just to be a feel-good story.
3: It's a beautiful photo. I'm looking at it now. Yep.
1: Right. I wouldn't have thought that was offensive in any way, shape or form. No. Nope. So I wake up Saturday morning. I get this abusive message on that post, swearing and carrying on about what a grub I am. So I just deleted it. I've been trolled, right? I must be trolled, whatever troll means, but that's what I've been. So then the gentleman had another go. So I worked out how to block him and went, oh, you're just an idiot. I'm just going to ignore that. And I had to go into a course on Saturday. Young Rochelle, who works for me, who's only 23, I then get a message from Rochelle to say, she's got this email from a different guy saying about what a bunch of grubs we are. And it really, really affected my day, I've got to say. So thinking they might be young or stupid or whatever they are. The gentleman who sent the email is a businessman. He actually owns a real estate business in Harvey Bay, and he's actually gone to a great deal of trouble to abuse us on this Saturday morning over that particular post.
3: What could he possibly be worried about with that post?
1: I've got no idea. He just said, we're grubs, we're fake, we're this, we're that. They were swearing. It was horrible.
2: But that's the problem with social media, Deb. Social media is allowing it. You know, there should be something structured with Facebook or all the social media outlets that if there's any bad language and anything bad is put up, they should be able to stop it getting online before it even gets there because we should only be looking at positive stories coming out, you know, because the negativity like that and the abuse is really damaging to people all the time. It
1: was supposed to be just a feel good story, they had no other intention.
2: It's a beautiful
3: feel-good story. And you know what, Deb, To make you feel any better, when we're on the grill team with Matty Johns, myself and Mark Guy, so three pretty big personalities, but I was certainly very much the third rung of that. You know, I hadn't won any premierships, I hadn't played State of Origin. You know, I'd done some cricket shows on Foxtel, but I was certainly very much the new guy and I understood that. The abuse that I got for the fact that people thought that I shouldn't be there all the way through to my weight, to my friendship with Hugh Jackman and what he and I apparently do to each other. Oh, really? I got to a stage where I was on average locking and deleting between 10 and 20 people a day. So I used to be really affected by it. And then MG gave me some really good advice because, of course, he's been through the ringer himself over the years with various things. He just said to me, if you know the person and they've bagged you, then worry about it. Because if you know them and they're a friend, then that might be something you should worry about. Go and talk to them about it and find out why they commented. But if they don't know you and you don't know them, like they've never actually met you, then just delete and block. Yeah. That's just the way that you've got to move forward because would you care what they would say to you if you walked along the street, this complete random? You wouldn't, but it still doesn't mean you don't get affected. It doesn't mean that the human spirit will probably remember the one negative over the 999 positives. It's just the way that we've built, but... It takes some resilience to get through that type of stuff. And when you're on like you are and you're out doing good work and stuff, there's always going to be some naysayers there and we need to protect you from that because that's just not on.
1: Yeah, look, I was surprised how much it affected me and at the same time I'd got a call to say that COVID wrath is in mum's nursing home, so that hasn't helped. Yep, no. But I remember it, I sat back and went, hang on. But then the other side of it is this is a businessman. This is a guy, that's a grandfather. What the hell is he doing? trolling people on facebook
3: yeah he's a disgrace in a way i'd love to have that comment with him and ask him why he would do something like that because it seems to me i'm looking at the post right now it's a beautiful story he looks a lovely kind man and you've done the absolute right thing there and yeah why would anyone have a problem with
1: it yeah you gotta wonder
2: they're the issues that we move forward with though in everyday life huh and look gus i always remember talking to one of my daughters and used to say to them that when they go to school and when they change some schools and they'd meet somebody, and I said, If somebody's not nice to you, just remember that you're all right. So there must be something wrong with them. Yeah. I said, And that's the way you've got to remain yeah. really positive about all those sorts of comments. You know, that's no different. You know, when you're a CEO of a club and you've got a lot of members, there's a lot of members who don't know you that make comments about you. And what Mark Guy said is exactly correct is that when those people actually meet you, they actually find you're a different person. But the problem is they want to make comments about you for a decision you've made or something you've said, rather than actually spending the time to find out about that person and finding out the good things that people have done and following up on that. And that's the issue with social media is it's very easy to do it anonymously and actually make comments about things and become keyboard warriors.
1: Yeah. I'm actually really proud of Guy. I remember having lunch at the ballet with Guy way before he was on radio and he was doing a course and he said to me, I really want to be on radio. And I just think he's a champion and where he's got himself today, it's absolutely sensational.
3: Yeah, he's great. You know, he's been through the ring and he's come out the other side, being a father changed him and he had five children. So he certainly got good at that. We just had the wonderful eight years we're together on Brecky Radio and you need to get along well if you're getting up at 3.30 and meeting at 4.30 and you're trying to be a bit of a smart ass an hour and a half later for three hours every day. But yeah. getting back to one of your first questions, Raf, we we're sitting there one morning looking at the radio show going, can we be more than just sport, rock and roll and telling jokes? We've been on air now a long time. We're all 40-year-old something men. We've all been married for 20 odd years. We've all got teenage children. Could we start talking about actually being a father, being a brother, being a 40 year old man with bits starting to fall off and bits not working as well as they used to? And all that type of stuff. And that's when the conversation started around my friend and I told that story just after eight o'clock one morning and the lines at Triple M, the telephone lines, there were 32 of them and they lit up and everyone was either ringing up and saying, look, thanks so much for sharing that story or they had their own story that they wanted to share and it just opened up a whole new set of rules and safety around our radio show and it just opened up conversations so much deeper than we ever would have expected and it's not that we wanted to have deep and meaningfuls all the time but it just gave us the opportunity for people to feel safe enough to ring us and talk about the stuff that was really important and lo and behold being human and doing that our ratings went up the show was more fun to be involved in and and everything so we went a little bit vulnerable and it worked for us and that sort of probably started for me my thinking about Having open, honest, vulnerable conversations will always get you further than having just the banter conversations that we love to have in Australia around sport, weather, work and so forth. Of course, we want to live there most of the time, but we need to give ourselves that opportunity to have that deeper convo. And if we do have everyone with a gotcha for life mate, I reckon we're more likely to get the suicide rate down to zero, which is what gotcha for life has said is our aim. I know it's a huge call, but we just have to do it because one's too many.
2: You mentioned the vulnerability, Gus. So what are the signs that people should look for if they sense someone is struggling and what actions can they do so to help? There's a couple of ways of looking at that, Raph. The first one is I want people,
3: if you're feeling vulnerable, to have the emotional muscle or to have the guts and the bravery to actually tell someone how they feel. That would be the gold. So people aren't walking around alone. But on your other point, It's difficult sometimes, especially with men who wear their masks really, really well. So for my friend, no one had a clue that he was going through what he was going through. Other people have told me the same thing, that they're at a funeral. The last time they saw that person, you know, they were on top of the world. They're having an absolute ball. It was just incredible that they thought that they had done what they had done. So wearing this mask is something that men in particular are really good at. But the ones that show some vulnerability are the ones that we can really help and save because, They're the ones that aren't quite themselves. They're saying no to things they'd normally say yes to. They're not quite their own self when they're in a group. They go missing on the WhatsApp group. They go missing on Facebook for a while. So all the things they'd normally do that makes you think, oh, that's that person, they just withdraw because they're going into their own little world. They're the ones that we can help because you can see that. The ones I'm worried about are the ones that mask it so well. And that's why I think educating people on being as open, honest and vulnerable as you can be is the trick because that way we'll have someone talking to someone
2: about how they feel. Do you think when you see people who go to the really highs in their life that sometimes then they also have the big lows, you know, so you have the ups and downs, which can create the problems as well, whereas somebody who lives a bit more on a level playing field all the time, you know, doesn't quite go as the big highs and all the big lows, aren't as vulnerable?
3: They're vulnerable everywhere. Unfortunately,
2: Rafa doesn't discriminate,
3: but I do know what you mean when you say that because that's why I think a lot of sports people struggle too. Coming out of sport into normal life, in adverted commas, is difficult for a lot of people because there's only a small amount of jobs within the media. So there's a lot of people sitting there wondering what am I meant to do now? Everyone thinks of me as a football player or as a cricketer or a netballer or a hockey player, whatever it might be. So it's definitely harder for people that have had such highs and such lows to be able to cope with what we would call normal, but unfortunately it doesn't discriminate, and we've got suicides and attempts of suicides from absolutely all walks of life—boys, girls, men, women, and everyone in between. Unfortunately, all different age groups. The number one way to die, if you're an Australian male age between 15 and 44, is suicide. Numbers in under tens have increased. Numbers in over seventies have increased. A lot of older people looking at life and looking forward and going, "You know what? There's not a lot there for me." I've been doing some work lately. You'd be proud of me, Debbie, in some nursing homes. And there's a stat, which I just couldn't believe, But 44% of people living in nursing homes do not have a visitor in a whole year.
1: I know that. I actually do know that stat. So you know what I did, Gus? Where John is, I used to go visit John. That was my first real exposure to a nursing home. Right. And I couldn't believe the number of people that didn't get visitors. So I don't know if you know David Casley. David Casley's is an Elvis impersonator. Okay. I actually got David Caslay to come to the nursing home and I held an Elvis concert. (laughs) I was his sidekick. I was up there dancing because I'm a massive Elvis fan. And I remember some of the nurses said to me that some of those people, they saw them move for the first time in all the years that they've been in that nursing home. Now they're moving to the music. It was hands down one of the best things I've ever done. So good. Doing it this year again, I've actually asked David to do it at Mum's Nursing Home where Mum is and where John is this year.
3: That's brilliant. It's such a simple idea and you just use your contacts and you ask for a favour here and there and it all happens. And the same thing happened with dogs going in and little kids going in and just yep. walking straight up and sitting on an old person's knee and this old person all of a sudden's alive again. You know, it's incredible how we don't look after our oldies well at all in this country. So Absolutely. Good on you, Dad. And
1: I can't believe they don't use animals more. I know. It just blows my mind that we don't have a dog.
3: So many animals that need to be rescued and looked after, you'd think, that would be a perfect mix, but we'd never communicate with each other enough to work out how we can all help each other get through the type of stuff that life throws at us.
2: It's mind boggling. That's absolutely correct, Gus. And what we actually did as a club while we were in lockdown is I employed 10 to 20 people every day to keep those people's mental fitness up as well while they're actually coming in to do some work, but to ring members at home. And some of the staff said to me, who do you want us to ring first? And I said, make sure you ring the people who are on their own. I said, because they usually don't have visitors or have anyone and their only contact is to come to the club where they see other people. And that's been taken away from them since the shutdowns with COVID. Yeah. yeah
1: absolutely. You remember the first lockdown, I'm chair of EasyLink, which is a community transport bus. And the first week I just said to them, what are we going to do with our buses? So we jumped on the buses and we have these Anzac Day cookies made. And I literally went from house to house. Now I couldn't go in. Yep. but just knocked on the door and left them a cookie and said, I hope you're okay. And I'll give you some of the stories. I had one lady who started crying saying, I haven't had a visitor in two and a half years. Can you please come in? And, of course, I couldn't. Yep. Um, mm. There was another gentleman I knocked on his door, and he was so distressed when he answered the door, and he said to me, do you know how to use my iPad? And I said, look, on the IT front, I'm not your friend, mate. I
2: <laughs> oh, no, Deb, that's the wrong person, wasn't it? Wrong <laughs> person, wasn't it, that really <laughs>
1: And I said to him, you know, what do you need to do? And he said, my grandson's died and the funeral's on now and I can't get into it. Oh, God. So I've got to tell you, (laughs) I breached orders. I went in and fixed his iPad uh, (laughs) while this gentleman sat there and watched his grandson being buried. It was horrible. But the number of people who live on their own on the northern beaches is really quite unbelievable. I had no idea.
2: Lining is everywhere, unfortunately. Certainly is. It's a major problem in the US more and more people are living longer and their ages the longer and often their partner has gone before them so they're actually on their own even for a longer period of time so it's making it more difficult and families we live in an environment now where people have traveled and moved for their job or whatever whereas once upon a time you know everyone lived close by they didn't travel like we do today so they're actually not even in the regions where they can actually visit their family you know like i'm in a situation at the moment where my mum and dad are 91 and 92, but they're in Western Australia and I can't even get over there to see them. Even when my mother had a 90th birthday, the lockdown kept me out of Western Australia. So, you know, you have those difficulties in that area. Fortunately, I'm the second of seven children. So there's four of my siblings who are actually in Western Australia who can visit my parents.
1: You know, when dad was sick, Raf, and how much time I spent at the hospital, had that have been today... And had he been in a hospital room and I hadn't have been able to see him, I think I probably would have lost my lolly at somebody too.
2: Oh, look, Deb, you soon learn to cope. You know, it's one of those things, fortunately, you know, I can ring and it's, it was very difficult. And I know how close you were to your father, so that would have been a very difficult time for you if that had been the case. But you wouldn't go to that extreme. When you're law abiding, you don't go to that extreme. But I can understand how frustrated you would be.
1: Yeah, look, I just feel for people. It's just horrible. Yeah. And that's why services like community transport are just so important.
2: Exactly. And Gus, look, I know it's a huge part of your life, so how do you get other people on board to help your cause with Gotcha for Life? There's a couple of different things, Ralph. We've got our website,
3: gotchaforlife.org that has all the details there. And obviously funding is the most important thing for an organisation like us because the more funds we get, the more facilitators we can hire, the more facilitators we hire, the more people get the mental fitness workshops and courses that we've got available. And I think that's what we should be doing is educating ourselves nationally on mental fitness. But there's also a whole lot of skills out there that people have that might be useful for us. Like we've got a lawyer now that contacted us after a year and said, look, I don't have a lot of money myself, but I've got 10 hours a month that I can give you for my skill as a lawyer. And to be able to use her whenever we need to just get an opinion on something, or what do you think about this? She has it overnight and comes back to us. I mean, that's gold for us. We had an accountancy firm who came to us and said, hey, we can't give you money, but we can give you someone that can do your books for nothing. You know, that type of stuff is brilliant. So you end up saving tens of thousands of dollars on audits and legal fees and so forth that you'd normally have to cough up. So anyone that's got a skill and believes in what we're trying to do, that's the big thing for us. If they've watched the Man Up program and they can watch that, as I said, on ABC iview, they can see where my spirit comes from, where my passion comes from. And if they share that, then that's what we want. We want like-minded people to come on board and go, yep, we like what you're doing. We're simplifying mental health by calling it mental fitness and giving some simple tips and tricks. That's the key. And if we've got people like that out there listening to your podcast today, then please go
2: to gotchaforlife.org and let us know and we'll be in contact. Uh, that's fantastic, isn't it? To have those people assist like that.
1: Ref, Gus and I have actually got a challenge for you.
2: We do. Yeah.
1: I don't know if you recall how old I am, Mr. Rafferty, and that I've got a birthday coming up shortly.
2: You are, Deb. You'd probably have to be 61, Deb. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs>
1: you could have been really kind, Raf. You could always got 10 years
2: under, Raf.
3: Ten
1: you years could always under, got it at 50.
2: I thought I did, Josh. <laughs> oh. No, Deb. Look, you're only 51, Deb. I know that. I only said that to stir you up.
1: <laughs> I'm actually turning 60. I'm happy to admit that. And my celebrations have been put on hold. I'm supposed to be spending my 60th next month at Great Barrier Reef, which certainly won't be happening. So we're going to have a little get-together, which we've deferred until April Fool's Day, Raf, as you know. Right. But in the meantime, Clubs Without Borders and the Integrity Group, we've set up a challenge. It's called the Step Forward for Kindness Challenge. And what we're asking all the clubs across Australia to do is on the Sunday, the 27th of March, to get a team together and walk 10 kilometres as a group for kindness. And what I'm going to do over that three days is walk 60 kilometres, Raf, in recognition to my 60th birthday, and you know what an elite sports person I am. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Look, Debbie, because it's all about kindness, i only say some positive things. I know you'll be able to do it, Deb.
1: To be fair, I did do it with Meninga, if you remember. I walked from Byron Bay to Brisbane. Yep. We went the old Pacific Highway. I did part of the AB walk, trek for kids, Gus, with AB. Oh, yeah. And what I said to Mal was, we'll walk out of Byron and go to Pottsville. Then we'll go to the beach and get some sun. So Mal signed me up from Pottsville to Brisbane, and I said to hey, him, mate, I can't walk that far. And I remember Mal saying, are you a pussy? That <laughs> me a pussy. Then I thought, well, you know, it's a flat road, right, all the way to Brizzy. They went the old Pacific Highway. Oh, no. So I can tell you, my feet weren't great at the end of that, but I did do it. So, Raf, the 27th of March, my friend. Yes. We'd love to see a team in Coffs Harbour.
2: Oh, yeah, we'll do a team for sure. There won't be a problem to get a team together for
1: that. Beautiful. So we'll be raising money and all proceeds will be going to Gotcha for Life to help Gus with this sensational campaign that he's got going.
2: Oh, no, that's fantastic cause. And look, I'll speak to some other friends I've got in the industry to actually set up teams from other clubs, and we might even create a bit of a challenge for people as well.
1: Yeah, we're going down to Moama, we're going out to Broken Hill, we're going right across Australia, Rath. We'll get all these clubs to get out, and it's great for bonding, right, for staff.
2: It is, but also, look, it's fantastic cause. If we can raise funds for Gotcha for Life like that, then we can prevent and save people from suicide. That's a wonderful thing. And you can raise funds to help the mental fitness of people. You can't put a price on that sort of thing. So what Gus does is a wonderful cause to really have shelved his career in radio to actually dedicate himself to run this cause to really help people who are less fortunate than us. And that's what we always have to look at is how we can help people who don't live as fortunate lives as us and are in difficult circumstances where they don't feel comfortable to be able to speak to somebody. So if we can really help people to get the word out there, even check on people. Are you okay? And making sure people are fine. And, you know, just asking that question, you know, and I've done that with several managers since we've been locked down I've been ringing people to make sure how they're coping, you know, with everything, because... It is an issue and a lot of managers are the worst ones because they've got to be the leader and they're trying to be the person who doesn't want to let everybody know because if they let themselves down, then it could create even greater impact on the people below them. So it's a wonderful thing and I think all clubs will want to get on board with that.
1: And that's what clubs do, right? So the challenge is out to the Australian club industry, 27th of March. We're going to be sending you all the link. Let's get behind it.
3: Yep. Looking forward to it, Deb. Anything for you? And Ralph? lovely to meet you, mate. And thanks for everything you're doing and thanks for your kind words. Yep. And, Deb, look forward to seeing you soon, darling.
1: Mate, you're an absolute champion. Look forward to seeing you at the end of lockdown, Gus. Breakfast at Collaroy.
3: You got it. my out.
1: Absolutely done. <laughs> thanks, Gus. Thanks for your time.
3: My pleasure. Bye, Ralph. See, See you, buddy. Bye.
1: Thanks very much.
2: See you later, bye.
1: Thanks, Gus. You're a champion and doing really important work. And, of course, thanks to Ralph. I'm very fortunate to have you both as Gotcha for Life mates. Gus spoke about men in particular who wear a mask and they seem fine and are putting on a front when in fact they're struggling. But it's not only men, of course, and I'm a prime example of someone who tends to do this. When something's getting me down, I tend to just go really quiet. But if you ask me how I am, chances are I'm just going to bounce back with, you know, good thanks. People I've worked with have said to me that because I didn't react to various things in the office and not jump up and down, that they thought I either hadn't noticed or didn't care about what was happening. Reality is, however, I do notice, and at times I take things much more personally than I should, and I tend to bottle it up all inside. I can tell you that except for those close to me, people would never know the times that I'm really struggling with issues. So let's all keep an eye out for those that are close to us and try and reach out and tell somebody if you need to talk. Of course, there's always professional help available via trained counsellors and various phone help lines, such as Lifeline and Beyond Blue that you can call. And if that's just not your thing and you need to reach out to somebody, Raph and I are always available. So if we don't answer the phone, just leave us a message and we'll call you back. But we're putting ourselves out there at the moment. So if you're struggling and you need someone to talk to, you don't think you can talk to your family, feel free to reach out to Raph and I and we'll call you back. Just how good would it be if we could all succeed by being nice? Where we all look out for each other and help raise each other up rather than tear each other down. And we all pay it forward with random acts of kindness where kindness is a norm rather than the exception. So to all clubs across Australia, we'd love to see you unite. We have our Step Forward for Kindness Challenge locked in for the 27th of March, and we'd love to see the industry unite for this good cause and to remind people it doesn't take much to be kind to each other. So get your team together. We'll have a page on the Gotcha for Life website, and we'll send out a link to everybody. To all those clubs I've been reading contracts for over the last 15 years, and you've said to me, what do I owe you? It's payback time. I'd love you to join our challenge with all donations going directly to Gotcha for Life. So to Raff and Gus again, thank you so much. Take care, everybody. Be safe. And I look forward to seeing you all when the lockdown ends. Take care. Bye.